0: Expressed in the following are those of its participants and do not necessarily reflect those of the producers and the Six Talk Podcast Network. Also, the following contains mature material and mild language, which may not be suitable for all audiences. Discretion is advised. For Sunday afternoon, April 18th, 2021, This is episode 40 of the Anime Roundtable Canada. Greetings and salutations from Six Points, 10 minutes south of the Anime North compound in the west end of Toronto. Mike Nicholas in the captain's chair, kicking ass and taking names. James Austin and Kevin Ng along for the ride this week. As always, we want you to join the conversation. AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com is our email, Twitter, and Instagram at AnimeRoundtable. AnimeRoundtable.com is our blog with show notes and past episodes. And if you follow us on Twitter and Instagram, you're likely to get a thank you from us as well, which probably means that nobody is following us. But let's talk about something that has more than a few Twitter followers than this podcast. In all of the rough stuff that was 2020, and you know there was a lot of it, there were a few feel-good moments as well the anime community was no exception, mainly on the side of cancellations of conventions. One of the bright spots was Anime Lockdown, the little improvised online anime show that tried to fill in the void when it became obvious that there would be plenty of them. It set up pretty much the tone as more well-known anime names in the fan convention scene, whether they be Anime Expo or Anime Central, right down to the big ones like Comic-Con, adjusted to the pandemic situation, and had similar online presentations of their own. Anime lockdown became arguably anime fandom's feel-good moment of 2020, but that was last year. As the pandemic unfortunately continues to grind along, the cancellations have already begun. We talked about Anime North last week. Otakon continues to monitor and Anime Expo Should It Return has announced a more scaled-back version. With those questions now being asked, one place a good number of fans have been looking for an answer from is Anime Lockdown, who have largely kept a low profile. Until now. Just kidding. It's not as if Anime Roundtable has a huge form to uh, come out and make yourself publicly known That said, we are happy that the man behind it The Director of Operations, JP Has decided to join us again To catch up on Anime Lockdown one year later And welcome back, JP It's good to hear from you again
1: Hey, happy to be back You made me sound like a super villain. I kind of like that <laughs> Really? I just you like one name that's been in the shadows ever since oh, Anime yeah.
0: Lockdown well, that's that's sort of how we're kind of coming out to the uh, greater Anime North public right now on Facebook. Did you know that Anime North has an official podcast? It's just lurked in the shadows for years. <laughs> that's the intro I made uh, when we uh, promoted uh, the last episode on the official Facebook page. But uh, as I said, that's an- another story. Maybe I, th- I get the feeling we will tie in some of the Anime North chat from last week into this too. So... Where do where do you want to start with uh with talking about things one year later for anime lockdown?
1: Uh I don't know. I mean the like the main reason why the Twitter has been quiet is I just like it's kind of not what we're about. Like most cons when they're in their off season are talking about advertisements and go to the screening and that's just never that was never part of the plan. It was always just like hey, we're a con. Mm -hmm. And that's all we are. We didn't have any partnerships. We're not here to, like, advertise and tell people to go buy something. And so it's just that we're not currently planning anything, so there was nothing to announce. You know, occasionally I would tweet some random thought about the con, but we weren't, like, intentionally being secretive.
0: No, I know. I'm I'm kind of, uh... yeah, I'm painting you like the bad guy here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I don't know about bad guys.
1: You know, like I, I follow a couple conventions on Twitter, and like a lot of what they post throughout the year is just like irrelevant to me. You know, like if I want to know what's happening, I can read a news site. I'm not going to go to like the Otakon Twitter to find out when like My Hero Academia is coming out. Well, that's true
0: too. I mean, we and we all have our obvious sources, right? Anime News Network obviously goes without saying, but mm-hmm. then other sites like Kotaku or comic books or even Hollywood Reporter sometimes had the odd story that catches our attention and has become fairly reliable in the way we're looking at things mm-hmm. here. So, one year onward, almost one year, it's like what a- anime lockdown took place in May of last year, right?
1: Yeah, so it was May 1 correct. through 3rd.
0: Oh, yeah. So, we we're like, two weeks away from the anniversary of the show.
1: Yeah. I, I didn't realize that until the other night when I found out I might be working on uh, May 1st. I'm like, great.
0: <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that's the uh, update things because uh, just a quick update. Um, when we first talked with uh, JP in mid May, he was unemployed. Yes. Very. Yeah, but you're, that's not the case anymore.
1: No, I has- went back to work uh, around Halloween. I work in okay. uh, TV. So I've been working on a season of a TV show since then. We are wrapping at the end of May.
0: Okay. So I guess uh, just to get bottom line with this, what is the prospects of doing a second version of anime lockdown at this point?
1: I, you know, I don't know. I've been thinking about it and I know that people would be excited for it, but it's been, my work schedule makes it very difficult to plan anything. I only get the two days off to to do anything you know whether you go grocery shopping or running errands i don't have a lot of time to sit around and plan a convention when when i did lockdown it was a lot of like sitting at my computer for 14 hours a day for like three weeks straight and i just said that's not a realistic uh thing that i can do currently so if it it does happen it's it's going to be a much longer planning phase and i have to make sure that i have time off which is more in the air now that I'm working again because it's it's not like a normal job where it's like, oh, I work these days to this day and I you know I can ask for this time off. It's like you're almost on call. You don't know what time you work until the end of your shift because mm. everything is just being planned as you go. If it did happen, it wouldn't be until the show is done, the show I'm working on. So it'd be either in June or July um but i guess my biggest concern is would anybody even bother uh, cuz people are kind of burnt out with online conventions and and like i attended an online convention a couple weeks ago and there was like 10 people watching and it's not about like oh you know if nobody's watching i don't want to do it Or i should say it's not about like oh i just want these hundreds and hundreds of people to to watch this thing it's more like i don't want to put all of this work in and make everybody put all of this work in if it's not going to you know, if nobody's going to show up um, because it is, it's a tremendous amount of work for, for both me and the panelists. And if, if only like 10 or 15 people show up, then, you know, we might as well not do it. Okay.
0: That's an honest uh, take. Uh, two things come to mind. One reality does bite sometimes. Mm-hmm. And it has me thinking, what are we going to do with this podcast when things are normal again? I mean, by my own admission, and I've uh, stated I've been out of work myself. And that, for me, that remains the case. So I have no life, and I've been able <laughs> to give myself time to churn out these episodes. And Kevin and James and Mohammed and Jeff have been good enough to take time as their weekends have begun to be able to spend a couple hours chatting and having them recorded. So it has me thinking what will happen as well should something more normal happen back in my life again. Second, my second takeaway is, and we just mentioned this just before we started taping, although it was mentioned last episode as well, a live version of this podcast will be done during Anime North's online presentation, which they rebranded, by the way, because remember last year we made the joke Omiji's online experience, M-O-E. Mm-hmm. Really? And it's now been rebranded to what is it? Anime North, the stay at home edition. That's what they'll call the online version, which would have taken place uh during the a- traditional Anime North weekend, which is Memorial Day weekend in the States. And it had us thinking, well, first of all, uh, yeah, we're we're gonna do do something like that. We're gonna do a live version of the of the podcast. Mm-hmm. But you now had me thinking, with what you just said, how many will actually watch it?
1: I mean, it's 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 going to depend on the convention. Obviously, the the virtual convention I was going to was a small Minnesota online convention, whereas you know, like the Funimation Con and Crunchyroll Con had a much higher turnout. I don't know what the turnout was for the first virtual Anime North, so it might be comparable. Yeah,
0: well, and like, we are talking, well, there's brand names in terms of the conventions themselves, in terms of fan conventions, but then there's brand names in terms of corporate stuff, right? Sure. I think that's what you're, that's what you're kind of getting at.
1: Well, I just, because that. the Anime North is like an established con, so they might have a better chance of pulling people than, say, well, I guess Anime Detour also is, but it's, you know, Anime Detour gets, I think, 5,000 people for their live event so it, okay you know i it, it might have just been it might have been marketing it might have been that people didn't want to go i don't know what went into so few people going to that convention um but uh i know that virtual conventions i think the attendance has been going down
0: hmm. well time of year or do you think well I think like people we, we are, are we got all conventioned out.
1: I think it's I think it's a combination. I think that it's it's people going back to work, it's people conventioned out. It's it's people that are are depressed that live conventions aren't happening and and the virtual conventions just reminds them that it's not happening. I know I've been really starting to miss it. It's I mean this is the longest it's been since I've gone to a con and I just like every day I keep remembering, you know, different um memories. Of, of like past conventions I've gone to. And, and I don't know, like, uh, Otakon is, is looking like it could potentially happen. I don't know if I would be comfortable going to that. That's still pretty soon. But Anime NYC is in November. And, uh, I'm, I'm considering it. You know, that's what six or seven months from now. And we have time to
0: wait to find out.
1: Yeah. Right. I guess the other thing to, to go back to what I was saying before is the thing that I'm, most concerned about holding a second convention is that it's not going to meet people's expectations because ah. so much of what we did the first time was very, it was, it was luck. Like we got guests, we got industry guests, we had a DJ and a year later, those people aren't going to be as excited to, to try this, this thing because it's like, it's been done a dozen, a hundred times now, you know, guess like guests were reaching out to me and and now so many of them have moved on and done their own things. Like Discotech now just does their own panel like every other month and they get more people showing up than they did when they did our thing. And so what's the incentive for them to come do our show again if they can do double the audience on their own and without a time limit?
0: Sounds like the uh, streaming industry, actually. Sorry. That's another story altogether. Uh, yeah. What, what was the peak of... Discotech was the was the larger was it, they were the, the largest. largest it was and around was
1: 850, that? I think. Okay. Yeah. Compared
0: I, to James I uh, James, I know you kept up with those numbers a little better than I would have. What was the the highest number you could recall in the Twitch presentations they did? Do you remember?
2: They were definitely higher, I think uh than what we had, but uh they were still at certain points comparable to what we saw, so obviously They were drumming up things through their social media and stuff like that, too. So that helped. And they kept up uh, with people because they started doing, I guess, streaming of some of their shows that weren't on streaming platforms. And some of those fans came in and those were obviously lower numbers. But the big presentations and then the Memories uh, premiere, those were huge numbers for them. And probably the big thing, as JP said, is having no time for them does help because... I think the last one in March, we talked about that, and they joked, they said, okay, we're, it's going to be a short presentation, we'll be fine. And then it just kept on going and going because of the Q&A somehow. And we, we, yeah, the, both in the, the Q&A.
0: And, and we've mentioned before, sometimes the personalities. We, After all, we are talking Brady, Mike, and Justin. Yeah. And you know how those could go sometimes, especially uh, with Mike.
1: Yeah,
3: I mean... Sure, but- over a
1: thousand. Oh, definitely. Yeah. It was, well, it, was definitely it. it was done. approaching approaching fifteen hundred for sure. Okay. Um so. yeah. If I mean if we did do a convention and they came back, I'd have to give them around two hours. Um it's just like, you know, they can do it and they they pull a crowd. It's hard to say no to the, the star of the show.
0: Well it would be yes. Well, there's also, I guess, another aspect to the way things are going in 2021 is for lack of a better choice of words, we're seeing a lot of hedging here, like trying to hedge your bets in some ways. You see, you talk about Anime Expo constantly mentioning when they do a live version again, or at least if they're to do with the one that they would have done in July it would be very much scaled back. Anime North was always going to do... Like, Anime North's plan this year also was to have an online component on the traditional weekend in late May, which we'll be a part of. And then in late July, I think it would be the first weekend of the uh, Tokyo Olympics, they would have had a scaled-down in-person version. That was the plan for 2021, if I remember correctly. The early on, it became obvious in 2021 that maybe the in person thing wasn't, uh, would probably not be ideal. So that was quickly canceled within the first quarter of 2021. And all that remains now is the online. So this is where we uh, sit. We're in this, should we or shouldn't we? Whereas last year it was pretty obvious and everything could go full bore. And I, I guess maybe that's where. A lot of the issues tend to be, right now, amongst possible con-goers. There's this combination, this storm of being conventioned out, post-convention syndrome, as I like to call it. And maybe some are still suffering from it in some form. And then there's this chomping at the bit to get back to in-person stuff. And that isn't just anime of course mm-hmm. and for reference just a quick aside and we won't uh dwell on it here in Ontario just a quick uh local update on terms of the COVID thing and you thought it couldn't get any worse and that that's as much as we'll say uh I'll say this week on it we'll we'll say more maybe next time right. but that's that's the feeling I have uh, right now I guess and and I'm talking as somebody who hasn't really done conventions much in the last ten years. It's just anime north, really. Hardly seen fan expo. Hardly seen anything smaller. Because uh, well, mentioned I had a life back then. And life's at a standstill now. Oh, go ahead, James. Did you wanna say something?
2: No, I was just thinking about what you said about Anime Expo, because it doesn't seem to me like they're going to have an in-person event because E3 the month before is going to go online only. And it sounds like they're probably going to have to do the same thing they did before and do an online event for that. And even some of these other events, I'm talking about concerts and stuff like that, that people want to go to. You look at Ontario, there are tickets for, I think it's a July show of Justin Bieber. They were making fun of it on the radio I was listening to yesterday about going to the show, them having them for sale and saying, what's the likelihood that show actually happens in Toronto at the Air Canada the Center? I'm thinking, no. Hmm. So
0: there's a bunch of ways we could, uh, like this whole conversation could go now, right? I, I mean, when I just started and when i intro uh, you back in jpi called anime lockdown something to fill the void when it was obvious the voids were there mm-hmm. and were coming and i think the rest of the world at least the world um the convention world has figured out ways to navigate that void or fill finally fill it in themselves so do you have this feeling that maybe lockdown has served its purpose?
1: I think it served its purpose when it happened. Um Certainly I feel like other people are putting on shows that I, I'm not capable of. And and that's part of what I, I wonder if anybody would bother. Cause I, a lot of people came to anime lockdown because while we weren't the first one to do it, we were one of the loudest. We were one of the first and people came there because they were curious they had nothing else going on and now there's there's been so many more online conventions and i don't really know how we would have any like big draw like i guess i could try to get guest speakers like i thought about asking if helen mccarthy would speak and and see if Mike tool would come back um it, it would probably be a much more curated event and not a you know just anybody that signs up can can speak kind of a thing not that i would like you know specifically turn people away but i would try because there's so much more competition i would try to be a lot more thoughtful about every single event that's being held
2: Hmm. well and that kind of good. ties into that one article we were looking at, doesn't it, Mike? Because we'll that. Yeah, there was a uh, convention every weekend, and now, as we say, a virtual event every weekend. So you kind of have to think about what is my virtual event and who's the audience I'm trying to reach out to, and how will I reach them? And yeah. it's a global audience, and depending on the language, too, in that.
0: Well, yeah. that, that I mean, that was that's. Well, I, I guess well uh, the re- article uh, James is referencing is something that appears on the Project Anime page. Just an op-ed piece about the future of pop culture conventions. Which, okay, read uh, nothing really, really earth shattering in it. Uh, some thought provoking, but in many respects, we've had the, we've covered it, covered all those thoughts. It just puts it all in one place.
1: You're a right. lot nicer than I am. I read that this morning, and it was all just it... corporate bullshit.
0: And <laughs> dry, perhaps,
1: right? Well, I mean, I get where they're coming from, because that's what their their audience is. Uh, I'd, I'd never heard of them before, but it seems that they're like a convention convention. You go there to learn how to organize your convention. And so the whole thing is like, you know, find out how to maximize your profits and how to reach this thing in e-commerce. I'm like, Jesus, why am I
2: reading this? <laughs> It's like a <laughs> so, website for professionals and that yeah. like anime professionals from uh, the people that do anime expo. But you're right. It is very corporate jargon and stuff like that. And they admit, if you read deeper into it, that some of the conventions, some of the bigger ones would have more success, obviously, than others doing a virtual component and stuff like that. Because maybe not everyone wants to go all three days and they want to get off their feet for that third day or something like that. Yeah. And interacting that, and that the smaller ones would have to work really, really hard, and maybe work together to actually make it a success. And that's a hard thing to do. Yeah, it's about
0: yeah, I know it's about branding away from the lo- from local, like like an anime expo being less. Not a, anime expo is a pretty bad example actually, because it's it's a brand name even outside of LA,
2: right? And the other thing is, that's where a lot of the Japanese licensors and things, they went to the American side and the English side, and that's where they'd make deals and stuff like that. So there's that cachet as well. But then the thing for even those ones is that other uh, corporate types could look in and say, well, why can't we do our own? Like you look at Funimation, they can say, hey, we did our own thing last year. Let's do it again. We don't need these guys.
1: As I said, that sounds like the streaming world. Yeah. Well, it really depends on like the goals of your convention, and it's this is something I've learned by when I when I moved to the East Coast. I started to go to a lot more cons because when I was in Minnesota, I had one option and no money to travel. Whereas now I have dozens of conventions in my area that can easily be reached with a cheap bus ticket. And what I what I realize is that some of these bigger shows like Anime NYC, Anime Expo, Anime Next they almost seem to exist more as like a marketing arm of the anime industry. You're just going there to buy a bunch of shit and go to industry panels. Whereas the smaller conventions like anime detour or anime lockdown seem to be a lot more uh, like local, more personality. Like people go to anime detour to see the panels because they know the panelists. They know the guests that come there every year. Yeah. They still buy stuff, but I think that's why the anime detour uh, virtual convention was so um smallly attended um because it didn't have i guess the global reach that anime japan project whatever the website was called is is looking for because it's 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 almost like a family there and i I think the people that would normally be going to these panels just don't follow them on Twitter and so they didn't even know the event was happening um whereas if they had big name guests like i don't know studio trigger or whatever they would have reached that wider audience that the bigger conventions do but that's not really what their goal is they're a small convention they've always been a small convention like the con chair knew me by name which was really weird (laughs) i mean i I don't mean to imply that he's weird for knowing my name it was a weird feeling that he in his opening statement or whatever he's like and it's too bad that jp isn't here like how does he know me it's you know that's the type of con it is. Well, oh,
0: well, you see, see when you uh, just uh, said all of that, it made me think of well, we've I, we've all had this long discussion on the show about Anime North itself, and is it hitting a crossroads of sorts? Because it always built it, it, it's constant billing as Canada's biggest fan run convention.
2: Premiere fan run convention, just what they call it. That's the the catch. But as they said, ever since the beginning, they've had those opportunities for some of the bigger anime companies to come into the dealer's room and to do other things. But they've pushed back on those things and said, you can come, but we don't want the big pizza like you have at photocon or anime expo were some of the bigger ones and that were all about doing uh, fan driven events and stuff like that and you see it through their program because they have so many different tracks and stuff like that for panels for historical for japanese culture for video games that goes on and on so it's almost like these small mini cons within a bigger con run for fans by fans but then you have uh, the speed bumps that come along with that as we said that you don't always see at the bigger cons that are more corporate run.
0: Well, or just, yeah, I mean, corporate run has a, has a certain polish to it. Whereas, and when, and we're going to use a popular phrase on this show as of late for better or worse, anime North has that, has that charm. And I think it prefers to have its, its trudge along type charm.
1: I that certainly are, prefer that, cons again, like
0: that. Yeah, maybe that's and maybe that's part of the in, in enduring nature of something like Anime North.
2: It's interesting because I swear that a lot more people said compared to West Coast cons, East Coast cons more have that d- down home feel and stuff like that where you're going to see your friends that one weekend of the thing. And I know Anime North as well, they kind of grew it. It was like Ontario, GTA, and then it's like all across Canada. And now it's like we have the reach to some of the border states and stuff like that like Michigan, Ohio and New York and I've talked to people that were all the way from Florida and they enjoyed uh, the difference and stuff like that because it was just a unique experience to them I guess. Yeah,
0: that's uh, yeah, I guess that this is the whole power of the lo- uh the differentiation between a local convention and something more global because the glo- the more bi- global you get, I guess the more corporate you get. And anime North is a weird one because it ha it's more on the former side of it the or the organic, but it's just still very big.
1: How many people go every year? do you
2: know for, I think we're over twenty five thousand so with staff and everyone there, we had i think last time around thirty thousand people there and I think for People through the gate, it might have been around 25,000. It was a lot of people. That's, yeah, that's, that's big. Like it yeah. was one of the top 10 cons still to this day and stuff like that. And it's one of the biggest for a fan run type event of its kind and stuff like that. Yeah, I guess yeah, it's we, not uh, Anime Expo or Otakon, but compared to everyone else, it's very big.
1: And that's like Anime Next, I think, does similar numbers and that's a pretty big event. Like 20,000 mm-hmm. people is nothing to, I don't know the phrase. It's it's. Nothing to, it's that good.
0: And <laughs> yeah, nothing to scoff at. I was going to say shake just, a
1: stick at. I don't know if that's a phrase, though. But it's it's it a true. weird anomaly. Something a
0: fan run getting. I guess it's it's sort of. Yeah, I, I'll say it again. An anomaly of sorts. It is weird. Staff,
2: I guess some of the staff talk about it, too, because some people take their week off and stuff like that, either before or after Anime North or in between it just so they can get prepared for this weekend stuff like that because it's just become such a big event to get all the gear in and get everything ready because as we said it just takes over this big compound of hotels and the congress center at uh Dixon there
0: it, which is just which is just um beside the Toronto airport just for reference JP just to, <laughs> just to give a sense Oh yes
2: sense. the I've never been to Canada I don't know where these things are well, and the I, good thing is getting, that's yeah, that was a choice too. Like be near the airport so you can get everyone yeah. in and out and stuff like that. It's like yeah, know. that's not a that's not a bad idea. I um
1: I I really like the smaller cons. Um, as much as I love Otacon, Anime Detour. What I really liked about it is that we would just take over a hotel. We would take over one hotel, and like, there would be others in the area, but people would just stay at there. Um, mm-hmm. the, there wouldn't be events held there. And it really changes the vibe. Now that I've been to these bigger East coast cons, they feel very impersonal when you go to something like Otakon ah, or okay, anime. I key, see
0: that's a key word, I think.
1: And I still have a good that's time, a but at, at, at the smaller cons where you've really no choice, but to run into the same people all day. And, and they'd also have party rooms because it's in a hotel and there's not, you know, 50,000 people you, you, you could go and like just drink and party all night with other con goers at officially sanctioned parties. Um, it was, it's, it's great. It's probably pretty irresponsible to stay up all night drinking, but we're,
0: we're, we're getting there, but it's a <laughs> good time.
1: And what really kind of blew my mind when I went to shows like Otakon and anime next, is like everything just shuts down at like 11 and you get kicked out of the convention center. Mm. Well, you're making me
0: think of my the comparisons between my Fan Expo time and my Anime North time.
2: Yeah, because we just kind of at midnight or 11 or whatever, it's like, boom, the switch is off, isn't it, Mike? For Mm -hmm. Fan Expo and stuff like that, they would have like run time some clubs and like have a dance or have like a club night and stuff like that, but there's nothing happening in that convention center, whereas Anime North, yes. Well, actually, no, they are doing stuff at the Congress there where they have different raves and stuff like that happening in the parking lots. And then at uh, the hotel, sometimes they have after-hours uh, events and stuff like that, for oh, example, sure. the I mean, all-night I, room uh, that I, I help run and, and stuff like and that in the hotels.
0: And the, and the all-night track that you uh, help program, right, James?
2: Yeah, but, but some of that is people just trying to find a place to sleep. Yeah, oh, that too, because uh, they can't afford, <laughs> afford a hotel room.
0: Maybe there isn't too much else to add to this.
1: But... I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I know that I I miss conventions, but I'm not necessarily ready to go to one.
0: Okay, I guess that's maybe
1: by the point. end of the year.
0: Hmm. I, I I guess, and that's a, it, now the U.S. has has a slightly improved situation compared to Canada. Just going back to all of that, and. Yeah, I guess there's still a degree of wariness. So take what's going on here in Canada. That's, that's an even more, uh, slightly more dire situation or a rougher situation right now.
1: Well, conventions we're, uh, were already a sanitation nightmare. Like I would come home with the flu almost every time I went to a con or at least a cold. Oh, so, so post-convention
0: syndrome may not be totally... A metaphor yeah mean, like, no i mean in
1: some ways too conflu is very real you're spending three days not sleeping enough eating terribly drinking too much and being around people that are probably not showering um, that messes your immune system, system perhaps yeah well and and uh, at, at at these smaller cons not not at like otacon and 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 like anime expo but at these smaller cons like anime detour they would have free food for everybody we had a thing called the con suite and Ooh, yeah
0: that's those are
1: and that's it's, there. you know, it's fine, but it's like, that's just not going to be a realistic thing uh, for a while uh, for people that don't know what a con suite is. It's just like you get in line and they, it, you know, they, they would have like rice or sandwiches or like a fountain soda and you just get in line, you show them your badge and you get to eat whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, if you just eat white rice and Diet Coke all weekend, you're not going to feel good on Monday. Oh, it's garbalicious! Lots of lots of
0: starches there. I guess there isn't too much else to add to this, then. Um, you sound like you're in a good spot, though, uh, JP. Like a well, more or less at peace with um, everything accomplished in terms of the lockdown side.
1: I, I'm maybe- really happy with how lockdown went. There's not. And- a, I mean, I I have some minor regrets, but nothing that I could have fixed at the time. You know, like there were certain like the YouTube got killed on day one, Facebook got killed before the convention started, but I couldn't have known that was going to happen. I mean, I kind of, I prepared for it, but like, there's nothing I can do to change that. Um, and like, not all of the panelists were prepared as much as I wish they would have been. But again, it's like, there's nothing I could have done to fix that. I did the best no. that I could. Everybody that, showed up on time with, only one exception everything ended on time um and i you know i let discotech go late because it's like whenever people were having fun um you know the rave went better than i imagined it would and the the mm-hmm. dj that put it on made a shitload of money from what i i mean he didn't tell me a number but i know he paid off his credit card based on tips nice way to go which is cool nice
0: nice yeah it was it just it just sounds like you're at peace and you're okay like Bottom line, you okay walking away from it?
1: I, I don't want to say that because I, I do, I would like to do something like it, if not the same thing. I just, I haven't had time to sit and think about it because I'm too tired from work. Um, once work slows down slash goes away for a while, then it opens up the opportunity. To start thinking mm-hmm. about it, I, I would say the worst case scenario absolute worst case scenario is doing a, a shorter event you know not ah, not trying so to do can, a three day event again
2: maybe a one day event would be a better idea because I was thinking you would do something maybe more scaled down and that you wouldn't have as much planning
1: yeah, one or two um I don't know it's 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 hard because anime detour did a two day event like a day and a half kind of a thing and it, it kind of bummed me out that it was so short, but at the same time I get it because it's just it's so much work and so many things have to happen. Like the fact that everybody showed up on time is I cannot stress enough how lucky I was for that to happen because I went to some of these other virtual cons and they were having shit running late and that's just not acceptable. Um you can't that's you know, everything else could go wrong. But uh, you can't. It's it's just my belief from doing live radio. You cannot tell somebody that something is happening and happening at a specific time, and then not have it happen. <laughs> because if one thing happens late, then it messes up your entire schedule, and then your people don't have a they don't have a, a menu for the day anymore. Punctuality.
0: And, yeah,
2: I get it on punctuality. Can't have dead air. That's for sure. Yeah.
1: I mean, dead air is one. If somebody doesn't show up, that's one thing. You can say, "Hey, Bob didn't show up. We're gonna play music for an hour." But if Bob shows up twenty minutes late and still wants to do his panel, it's it's a. I would rather he doesn't show up at all, you know, because it's going to be a lot more complicated. Now he's rushing through things, and I don't know. There is no Bob. I just said that name. <laughs>
0: just game given a name. Well, I guess. Uh, it, no, it is nice to know you know where things uh, do stand so uh, that that part's appreciated so the time in that sense is appreciated
1: it's a hard uh, it's a hard maybe a soft probably we'll say that
0: <laughs> a good way to put it but in the end you did it as a fan yeah you did this cuz you were a fan and sometimes we're all still curious about the anime industry i think we're done with the with the convention talk i guess for now right
1: i think so i think so
0: so let's like, I think we all made the pact today to try and do this uh, in one take today, so we're not going to take a break. Let's get right to it. The other thing is, JP does like talking anime quite a bit.
1: <laughs> you and got me.
0: We And really just about any other topic on the, under the sun. In the end, we're all fans. So do you want to do a set of bullets with us, uh, JP?
1: Before we go, I yeah, I mean we've still got plenty of time before I said I was going to cut you off. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, th- the thing is, here's uh, and this is the intro
0: we use. Uh, this is the intro we use whenever I start the bullets.
1: Yeah, these
0: are small things which may become big things, and knowing that James is here and Kevin too, uh, we we can inflate this real good.
1: I mean, you only tagged five news stories. And we've still got an hour before I gotta go grocery shopping.
0: Let's see what happens. Uh and, and we can play a we can play a little uh, game of yes and no
1: uh, towards the end. Okay. I don't know what that is. It sounds ominous. But we're gonna Nothing talk about some news, right? That's like my well, let's, specialty talk, about these let's days. talk
0: about things that caught a uh, caught our attention, at least over the last week. Well, on the topic of conventions going global, which was the part of the crux of the project anime article which seemed to turn you off jp and uh, i just yeah it's it, a dry, it, it's just it, a dry read
1: i it, just it don't care like, about corporations i'm just i don't know for me convention is about going and having fun and talking about anime and like being with your friends it's not about boosting profits and that's how that and i get that like it is a business and people have to make money but you know like i ran anime lockdown so we could have fun and talk about anime i turned down sponsors because ah. I didn't want to make it about that.
0: Mm. Okay. That's an interesting way to put it. Although we're about to talk about the companies and their moves. Oh, that's, I mean, all we, here.
1: everything we do is capitalism. I mean, we're sitting around watching advertisements all day and then talking about them and talking about which ones we want to buy. Like, I'm not,
2: yeah. no I, I know what and we're and doing. We're really nice to them. Sometimes we'll buy the manga or the video game or who knows yeah. what else. Sometimes. <laughs> Okay,
0: James, do you want to preface, preface uh, some of this? Because uh, this some of, most of this is your caller this week.
2: Well, like, Let's start I, with the
0: fandom post, because it kind of was a prelude to some of the other moves that would eventually happen.
2: Well, we were looking at stuff we had talked about before, and I guess it's this interesting, instead of trans-Pacific, we're talking trans-Atlantic uh, between uh, UK and Ireland, and then North America. And so I was looking at uh, Anime Limited, Because remember, they had started releasing some stuff over here, like Bartender and uh, Be The Beginning. And uh, they had said uh, that they had got a six-figure loan from HSBC uh, UK to help them uh, expedite that, I guess, to expand more. And to help them through, I guess, uh, all the issues with the coronavirus, because more people are looking for content, anime or otherwise. But they have to provide that, so that'll help them... uh, there as well. And I'm guessing when they say six figure, they're probably talking in pounds sterling. So that's probably even more money than mm-hmm. we can imagine.
0: So we're probably talking closer to seven figures when it comes to North American dollars, whether it's Canadian or American. I would well, hope so. Canadian
2: maybe, but I'm not sure about American. It's hard to say because it could be on the low end of six figures too, right? Eh, it could be mid six. I mean, okay, six but... figures
1: is not enough to license anime. So it probably translates into a seven figure would be my guess it's gonna cost at at least least a million dollars probably to license a tv show Mm -hmm.
0: i I would think i would have thought it would just uh just be able to keep certain operations going
1: yeah i'm also full of shit and don't know anything about numbers (laughs) so when i say a million dollars fuck me
0: (laughs) we heard about this and we heard about this uh this cash injection and then it kind of transitioned over later on uh when was when did this uh, news come out the 14th so earlier this week anime limited appointed a former crunchyroll director to uh, to chief marketing officer with them and miles
2: thomas yes
0: miles thomas had miles thomas is uh,
2: he's a so he left crunchyroll's director of community marketing and social media and he started as a sales consultant there so he uh, Definitely worked his way up there and stuff like that. And I was actually reading on the UK side. It was interesting. They were talking about him and his team, at least on the English side of Crunchyroll, that they had won uh, quite a few uh, awards from different uh, outlets, I guess, on the web. Like they talked about the social media team of 2019 from Digiday and a few other things that probably we wouldn't really know or remember. But obviously he had traction that helped get the subscribers up on certain things and stuff like that. So that would make him uh, someone they would want to look at and say, hey, do you want to come over to us and help us uh, expand uh, our reach uh, into North America and stuff like that? And he was receptive because he had said before that he really respects their releases and stuff like that. And he talked about, um, this was Miles' uh, statement from it, which was interesting. He said, at a time of unprecedented uh, media consolidation there's a greater need than ever for prestige brands with specialized expertise that deliver unparalleled quality to consumers and so that's what he sees when he sees anime limited and that's true because they do have a lot of prestige uh, releases and stuff like that that you don't always get now from say funimation or other uh, anime companies
1: yeah it's like discotech or nothing
0: well we we were talking we've had talked uh, over past months about Sony. Right? And we're going to make a reference to Sony in a bit. But
1: I suppose many were worried
0: about the consolidation about the consolidation they have the potential to trigger within the industry. Oh, go ahead.
1: I just I forgot about Anaplex when you mentioned Sony. I was like so it's Disco, DiscoTech Anaplex and then everybody else is just bare bones.
2: But yeah, but you got but discotech, okay, sorry not discotech. i meant to Anaplex say is, Anaplex, uh, is the one that everyone doesn't like because they have the japan prices and stuff like that well, but yes. you get the quality you get the quality so you make your decision but way back in the early aughts we did have to make a decision because we didn't have the cheap sets <laughs> yeah
1: because you have animego but they only do kickstarters now <laughs> um but yeah. i just got their megazone two three box and it's it's very pretty
2: Oh, any uh, any thoughts on that, Bucks? Uh, JP, mine's still trying to work its way from uh, North Carolina across the border here to Canada.
1: I haven't watched it yet, but I, I just it's it's cool. Like it's got nice artwork, and I, I believe it comes with a book.
0: I mean, I have the. But they movie always movie. have a booklet with the
2: premiere edition. They uh, put a lot of work in there. I know Bob and them.
0: I mean, that seems to be the move in terms of an, uh, in terms of anime these days i mean uh, while it's made the move towards more collector items figures uh figures products little trinkets
1: well it it has to be because like if i can watch everything streaming for five dollars a month or whatever it costs ten dollars a month if you're gonna
0: ask people to buy a dvd yeah you gotta give me a reason disc yeah
1: books I'll, i'll buy it because it's got a cool director's interview or like all the japanese trailers like Give me something or I can't an, or get an, or on YouTube. Or a, mini art book, or, an, or a mini art book sometimes. Yeah, the art books. has to be the case here. I, I didn't realize this until like 10 years after I bought it, but the Ninja Scroll Blu-ray that Sentai released has a, a Yoshiaki Kawajiri commentary when you watch the movie. That's incredible, but they just don't do stuff like that anymore.
2: And I think that one, I can't remember if it was a new one they did or that was from the manga release and stuff like that. It, it might have been. But it's good. Like that's the one thing about discotech is they try to find all those old extras, find everything that they, if they can get, they can put it on the disc, the old dubs, even trying to create uh, liner notes and stuff like that from the booklets and stuff like that, because as Justin Savakis said, the reason why they do it more digital and put it on the disc versus maybe having the booklet is there's cost, but there's also the fact that people will lose these booklets or they'll deteriorate or whatever. Yeah. But for mm-hmm. the most part, for the Blu-ray, having it all on there, it's uh, it's all on there, and the likelihood of someone losing it isn't going to happen. And I think even the memories, when the one booklet they had, somehow on that disc, they said they put a PDF that you would be able to take off of one of the booklets, I believe. Yeah. Which is an interesting, nice uh, addition, stuff like that. You still have a slot on your computer or whatever uh, to go into the files to find it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the thing about the way Discotech explains these things—it's they—they love to tell you that story, so they uh, l- make you understand the value.
1: Yeah, I like of how trans—I like how transparent they are as a company. Like the other day, Justin was streaming as he was cleaning up the Project ACO release. You know, like that's not something that any other company would do.
0: Yeah, that's, they're interesting um, that way. They are interesting that way. you didn't see that, did you, James?
2: no no I, I didn't Somehow
0: things things always you always seem to manage to see see things like that but yeah no, I didn't know he, well I'm not surprised he did it but I didn't know
1: about it either it wasn't like a big announced event he was just bored one night and was like hey I have to do a shitload of work does anyone want to just chat while I do it like it wasn't a discotheque sponsored event or anything
0: no but that was pretty cool that sounded that, pretty cool yeah I tuned in for like in 10 video minutes game.
2: mm-hmm I was just going to say that happens in the video game space too, right? In in indie spaces and stuff like that, they say, "Hey, while I'm doing this pixel art or stuff like that, Uh, I'll stream it. Anyone want to come in and chat? They can." So that's nice to see. If you ever see them once in a blue moon, right? But you have to actually see the tweet or whatever.
0: Well, this is this is the old old man kind of starting to show up. How like it sounds like that would be something that's a regular thing you'd see commonly on the proper platforms. So it sounds like a cool thing, just a little bit of transparency, a little bit of accessibility for, for fans. And we, we talk constantly about fans who abuse that privilege, but it it sounds like the chance at some sort of accessibility or chatting, it just sounded like a cool thing to have done. But it sounds like it's quite common too. That's well, it's
1: it's starting to it. be. I mean, it's it's not as common in the anime industry because everybody is so secretive, and that's one thing that's very frustrating. And I I used to just accept it at face value. Is like you'll you'll read all these anime news network articles, and they're like, we reached out to Funimation for comments, and they told us told us to go fuck ourselves. And it's like, what are we doing? You know, like. <laughs> Whereas at least Discotech is out there telling us what's going to be on the disc. It reminds me of there's a there's a place called Just Salad in New York, and I'll give you a guess what they sell. It's just salad. And I like it because they just it's on the tin. You know what you're getting. And I feel like Discotech is like the just salad of anime. Like you know exactly what's happening. They'll talk to you. You can you can follow the producer on Facebook. That's wow. a terrible metaphor. It's... I just wanted to make that no, joke. No, no. I was
2: thinking of like you. When you, say... what
0: you said just salads. Well, when you say those things, when you just said that, I thought of an old David Letterman sketch. Yeah. Way back, because uh, one of his first, like, man on the street type uh, skits he did, he went around New York and found quirky little stores. First, he, one store he went into was just a store called Just Lamps. And he said, "Okay, what do you sell here? Just lamps." "Do you sell shades?" "No. Just you only sell just stands and bulbs?" "Yep, just lamps." Now, if you were looking for shades, maybe you'll find a store called Just Shades. And then next and then jump cut. He's inside a store called Just Shades. Oh my god. And I thought that I, it's uh, and what you just described sounded like the old David Letterman sketch yeah and 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 the thing was the the woman he talked to in just shade was even sharper about what they sold (laughs) so it was a really funny funny bit but it's like we've had this conversation in the past about about the about the anime industry specifically in Japan and how how sometimes um isolated and closed up it tends to be sometimes but sometimes to its detriment.
1: I would say oftentimes to its detriment. Like there's so much of the anime industry that is fan run because they just won't do it. You know, like I only know about when new anime is coming out because of fan sites. You're telling me that Funimation can't put out a TV guide.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, that too. It's, it's more of like my line of thinking, and this has been, we've, Constantly talked about it on the show recently. It's the companies themselves have some trouble concerning its overseas fandom, right? In the past, they focused way too much domestically. And now that market's beginning to cut off a little bit because domestically, the population is shrinking. So they have to go a little bit globally now. But within all that lies a few a few issues because it changes they have to completely change their way of thinking a little bit and that's that's the that's the issue that I think the industry there is beginning to face mind you mind you fandom is facing has its own issues with that with, with it as well and so begins the talk about how involved should should overseas forces be in terms of production of Japanese animation, so there so there seems to be a, an up, um, a developing schism and fracturing of fandom between those who uh, want quote unquote pure Japanese anime and those that are willing to go with things that are a lot more a little bit more Western influenced, and um, I think the Netflix thing ended up being a big part of that discussion. So, and as I said, that's in, that's more in past episodes. So you can hear, you can hear us, uh, how we flushed out those, uh, those feelings. And well, as I said, that, that's sort of the crossroads that the industry is now facing there.
2: Well, it is interesting to say the least, Mike, it's like, obviously with the consolidation, it's like, they have to go through, I guess, all their channels and Discotech, luckily, they don't have to do that, but that's obviously for the graces too of the owners, because the owners are letting Justin, Brady, and Mike speak on their behalf and stuff like that, and they're okay with that. And obviously they're fans too, so that's luck on our side there. But even when they do speak, sometimes, as they say, they have the frustrating moments. I remember Lupin in the third part four. They had the frustrating moment because people are saying, why can't I have the dub and the sub on the same disc? And they were saying that months after they had tweeted out and saying that unfortunately because of the musical tracks and the way TMS in Japan handled things, they didn't uh, want them to do that. They wanted it on two separate Blu-ray discs. Sold oh, separately. I didn't know about that. Uh, yeah. And, and so unfortunately it's like it's, you become a broken record sometimes and people were angry about that. And it's like, well, it was out of our control. It was, licensor request we would have found a way to make everything work get it on one disc but they said nope it's like the international version is for the dub that's on one disc and then the Japanese version with the Japanese musical track is on its own separate blu-ray to be sold and stuff like that and they had to do it a few times but they still had people out of the woodworks tween them saying what are you guys doing and blah 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 but I guess that's how life goes sometimes yeah
0: yeah anyway that's uh I guess that's part of the story now. Okay, all right. Let's go. Let's move on uh, through the uh, through the other parts of the bullets here. Manga Entertainment rebranding as Funimation. Okay, all right. Uh, another another anecdote, and then I'll hear your thoughts on this one. Okay. We, obviously, we know about manga in terms of the history it has mm-hmm. as a brand, as a company here in North America, and obviously in Europe too. So this sort of reminds me, twenty almost 20 years ago, when Future Shop in Canada was bought out by Best Buy. And there, at the time that deal happened, it, it seemed like Best Buy was interested in the distribution channels that uh, Future Shop obviously developed for themselves in Canada. So that's what made the purchase rather easy. And they were very similar retailers, just for reference, uh, JP. But there was this promise that both brands would remain distinct. <laughs> and, and for about a decade, that was the case until about 2014, 2015. Then they announced Best Buy Canada announced they would eliminate the future shop name because they, you know, that's, I guess, uh, part of the downturn started. And they had to um close stores. So the obvious thing to do was get rid of well, one of the easier things they did was get rid of the future shop name because in the process they could get rid of a good chunk of stores in the process.
2: And the other thing is some and of the so, stores ironically <laughs> were across the street from each other. No, yeah, that was well, like in our neck of the
3: woods.
0: Right there, that right in the west, west end of Mississauga because their one of the regional offices was in Mississauga and So in opposite corners you had a Best Buy and a Future Shop. Go ahead, Kevin.
3: I feel like the writing was on the wall for Future Shop because I don't know. Like I would walk into a future shop and it just would never seem to look as nice as a Best Buy.
0: Well, there was a and then and then I think they changed their What is it? Their concepts as well. I think it was around about a year or so later after after the call there, they um, started to change the concepts.
3: Also, uh, oh, and also, Future Shop was. uh, I don't remember which departments were like this, but I think they did work on a commission structure. I don't think they did. Yes, full commission.
2: (laughs) But, yeah, yes, and that, TV and a few appliances and a few things they definitely worked on was, commission because remember Best Buy and their marketing was saying that was we, don't, market uh, we don't we uh, don't have anything uh, about commission or stuff like that. And yeah, that I don't a, know if a... Future
3: Shop was always like that or not, but okay. But that yeah. I depending on how you look at it, you know, you you don't tend to want pushy salesmen as a consumer.
2: Mhm.
0: And I and I know that was part of their marketing. Anyway, that's that's sort of that. That's sort of what the manga thing reminded me of. Manga entertainment, Funimation, they both become historic names in terms of the anime industry outside of Japan. Certainly in, in terms of North America and Europe. Mm-hmm. Manga became an established brand in Europe. I, from what I, if memory serves me right, somebody correct me on that. Correct, you know, because that's where...
2: that's where it started was in the uk and stuff like that and it was under uh, island records was the one that created it. some people at island records they started in the uk then they came over to the u.s and bought uh, la hero in the early 90s and started the u.s branch and then it continued on and then um, they were bought out by uh, anchor bay stars and then it kind of uh, devolved from there were i guess the UK division went one way and then the US one was sold to Lionsgate. Lionsgate now holds manga USA, the brand for that.
0: So this is a kind of a reflective moment. And then and then the manga brand in the UK, how did it end up in Sony's hands?
2: Uh well they got sold to Funimation in April 2019 and they were probably the best known and biggest brands for the longest time in the UK, like distributing anime and stuff like that. So it was probably just a natural extension for Funimation to want to go in there, and so the best way was to buy out them. So and
0: this is this is your this is your um, this is your Atlantic. This is that Atlantica uh, metaphor we started the segment with. Basically, you had uh, we started with Anime Limited wanting to come from UK to the to North America, and now we have Funimation extending themselves from North America into the UK.
2: And since they had the Sony money, it was probably easier to buy Manga UK than to do what ADV did uh, in the early aughts, which was start their own UK branch. Because remember, ADV had ADV UK way back in the day before uh, they unfortunately imploded.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, as I said, this is also probably just to help out the channels, which, which I think is a, but it's, a, as I said, a reflective moment because it means the phase out of a historic name in the industry.
2: And I guess they did the calculus, right? It's like they thought, okay, but these fans also know us too. And the other thing is, a lot of these discs, when they're, if you look at the Funimation ones, they have region A and B. So a lot of the discs are the same for Australia, New Zealand, North America, and then UK, Ireland, and stuff like that. They're just flipping out the logos and stuff like that. And so Mm -hmm. they're helping to streamline things, but there are certain things they'll never be able to get. Like in the UK, they still got to get those things uh, certified by the um, board for ratings or whatever. So that's when they still have to work through. And that probably helps them uh, having a UK uh, subsidiary that has been through that before. You know what I mean? Because you can't all centralize everything, unfortunately. Yeah.
0: Do you have a thought on this one, JP? As I said, it's more reflective for me. Yeah, I mean, when I think about the titles manga had, but
1: go ahead. Well, I mean, I'm not not living in the UK. I don't really know what this means for them because, from where, just from my perspective, it's it seemed like a lot of the titles they were getting in the UK were just repackaged Funimation titles, anyway. And I could be wrong about that, but
2: it just seems like they're just gonna change the logo
1: on the box you know it's it sucks but like manga hasn't been manga for a long time
0: so in many respects no point just put the name out of its misery i
1: don't well i don't Mm -hmm. know if that's necessarily the right way to go about it but it happened anyway
0: (laughs) (laughs) maybe it's just maybe i'm just terming it wrong They,
2: they have to find the right releases and stuff like that but sometimes when they come back out of their uh, dark space, it still doesn't turn out right. Like we all remember the main name because somehow something would go wrong with a release. And I know with the Ghost in the Shell standalone po- complex Blu-rays that uh, they released uh, when uh, they were under Lionsgate, they didn't turn no, out no, too no. hot to say the least. And they've had other ones before that that haven't turned out so hot. That's why it's hilarious when we joke about that. We loved Redline, but that release turned out pristine, ironically.
3: <laughs> ghost in the Shell just can't catch a break in that sense. Like the fans can't catch a break. Mm. Well the ones that care, that is, I guess.
0: Well yeah, go yeah, back to the live action again too.
3: No, <laughs> I just mean that there has never been a good ghost in the shell disc release that hasn't had some sort of error that you know that collectors like us would care about.
1: Ah, okay. Well, is the 4K is release bad? I I I don't know anything about it. I just bought it, but I don't know if it's good.
3: I actually don't know about the 4K release, to be honest. I'm not sure.
1: I haven't okay. seen Ghost in the Shell since I was 15, so it should be an interesting experience.
0: <laughs> watch it again? Yeah,
1: I, I didn't care for it back <laughs> then, so this will be my first time in, you know, 30, not 30 years, 15 years. Oh, well,
2: yeah. Okay. (laughs) It's funny, thinking back retrospectively, uh, Mike, about manga and even the U.S. side and the U.K. side, is that the early aughts and some of the OVA releases they got, they wanted, I guess, to get to the broader market. So they would cut them into like this movie type um, experience. And so like Chorus and then there were a few others, you'd get to a point, you'd hear it as they're going with the ending music, but then it would cut to the next episode. (laughs) And you're just thinking, what just happened? But sometimes they were still great series. Like, Kyris was still a great series.
1: Uh. Mm-hmm. I feel like Discotech has kind of filled the void of manga here. They don't do the same stuff, but they have, you know, they've got Angel Comp and Genocyber, and they had Mad Bull for a while. And yeah, uh, no,
2: they were saving those releases from manga, from CPM, yeah. and from well, other vision as like, well. They're in many
0: respects, are... in many respects, when you think about it, Disco Tech is everybody else. It is all of those older labels. In many respects, that I've rolled up yep. into one into one. And then they've and then they've added their own sprinkles like the fan, like the constant fan engagement.
1: Yeah, like, I, I just, I, you know, it's sad to see them go, but like, I don't know, it's just like, it's not manga to be, at least on the U.S. side, which we lost them in all but name, ago. you know, just like, a brand now. I just, you um, know, I don't want to see manga releasing stuff like ladies versus butlers, you know, like <laughs> they were the Ninja Scroll guys.
2: No, yeah, they, they were about-
0: media blasters Shell of themselves.
1: That is what we got. Media Bla. Yeah, we got the Icon Blu-rays. Thank God.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And and and, well, it's not going to be on the new uh, ADV or the uh, whatever it is. uh, What is anime? And you can just put (laughs) Icon.
0: Well, oh, and I know. Well, uh, I know we'll talk about it more at length at another time. But Media Blasters is just still hanging in there in many respects too media blasters sentai they're they're probably in similar boats right now when, when i think about it but I, well, I, sentai's I suppose...
2: probably in a better boat and stuff like that uh, yeah so media still got things coming coming out
1: the sentai probably has an office i feel like media blasters is just john Cerebella posting things from his phone in the bathroom <laughs> oh, i mean <laughs> what <laughs> the part is
2: Bless you know, his I'm heart. Sure, like He's went to different conventions. He's been in Nor- Main North. He's a nice guy, but i have to agree I, that he, uh, I love he was on the That's New true. York side of the border, of New York City, but he's been in New Jersey for a very long time, and I'm not even sure if they still have an office in New Jersey, so your comment may not be off the mark, unfortunately. <laughs> I don't mean that to sound <laughs> like a diss.
1: I, I think I do like a lot of their releases. It just like it, think, it very it really much.
2: Stayed, if you do it from In, home, in
0: their day, and in their day, they were a great
2: company.
1: Yeah, I just in their day, it's got uh, there. There must be less than ten people working for that company yeah. now. He, which he is
2: that too. Yeah, he said that they used to be so big, and now they're like ten people, so they're very trim, and they have to really focus on maybe one or two releases a month. Yeah, and it's like okay. a live action, a hentai, and an anime. Yeah, Kevin. I I will
3: last thought. I will forever be thankful to John Surabella for somehow pulling off the license for Kanojo, Kanojo, Kanojo. One of the <laughs> one of the greatest vanilla hentai titles in the last ten to fifteen years. Way to go!
2: You know what the crazy thing is? He said that was the hentai. That made him say, "Hey, people are going to buy hentai on Blu-ray." I thought they were all going to like watch it on online. So that made him continue releasing them on Blu-ray.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, I watched that online too. But you know, I wanted to give—I want to give a little bit of support every now and then. Make sure go. you store that safely, there, Kevin. It is yeah. hidden deep in the abyss. <laughs> okay.
1: Well,
0: as I said, those are the names. Well let's get to the latter phases of the bullets. We go from manga, the company to literal manga.
1: It's <laughs> nice transition.
2: Don't, don't you Wait. remember back in the day they, that, too, Mike, where they said people got confused when they the had turns? manga with the turns because of that very thing. Oh man. Well, yeah. And now is manga you know, anime is manga comics. I don't know.
0: Well, okay. So we're, we'll talk about, so we'll move away from manga, the imprint. Manga, the publisher... Wait, that's not a good...
1: Pronounced manga? (laughs) (laughs) Just like anime... Let's get away from the...
2: the,
0: Yeah, let's get away from the um, anime company. Great. And, And actually talk about the medium. The three main publishers in Japan put out an interesting little bit earlier this month about. What's been popular amongst their print and runs? I think it's what, what what is it the print runs of the last twelve months? It, first yeah. uh, first print runs. Yes, yeah, so, so it Kumano
3: is the biggest first printings from uh, two thousand twenty to two thousand twenty-one. From well, the big three, which is Kodansha,
2: Shogakukan, and Shueisha. And okay. to be specific, it's April twenty twenty to March twenty twenty-one.
3: Yes. Okay.
0: So Kodancha maybe not so surprising. Number 1 is Attack on Titan. 1.25 Yeah, 1.25 million copies printed of uh volume 31. Think- Shogaku little number 1 in their in their uh in their ranking was Detective Conan volume uh volume 98 at no 680,000. Hey, it's an old title, but yeah not su- surprising in one sense because it's on a newer title, but not so surprising because it's
2: a historic title. And it's still on the air too for the anime as well. It's-
0: okay. Shueisha. One Piece, okay, makes sense. 3.2 million uh, for volume 98. Demon Slayer ended during that period. And so volume 23, 3.2 million. It's a tie. It was a tie before Shueisha. They have and they have well, they have one of the one of the most famous titles of the last twenty years, and then one of the titles going right now.
3: Oh, if you include Jujutsu Kaisen, mm-hmm. one of the titles going
0: on right now. Oh, yeah, true. What? Well, well, is first of all any um any thoughts on just the showing this list altogether?
3: I'm seeing some pretty interesting numbers from uh, various titles that I've. You know, I've heard that they're popular, but I just didn't think that there were that many in print. Some surprising things that I just wouldn't really have expected at all. Uh, sh- I would say Shueisha's was fairly uh, was fairly standard because uh, you have the big three from the Shonen Jump titles, and there's obviously other Shonen Jump titles in there as well, like you know, One Punch Man, haiku, Haikyu, Number Eight. I know you're a big fan of that. Yep. Spy Family is also very good and actually that's pretty surprising I didn't think it hit 1 million copies already mm-hmm. uh, and they have already announced the anime for that if I'm not mistaken uh, Okay, Kingdom is, is interesting because that's just something that will n- probably never come out here but it's very popular in Asia Chainsaw Man is pretty cool to see as well, uh, that's also a newer title and I think they're gonna. That anime is coming out sooner or
2: later too. Okay. What, what about My Hero Academia? I was a little surprised. It was a little lower than I thought, but you never know. I'm, not,
0: I'm just not surprised it's on the list. Not I mean, really That's the part that mattered. I think that, the if there was a
2: surprise on the list, but maybe it's just from our perspective outside Japan is just the Ryōna Kenshin Hokkaido are. Let's. I will come back to that in a second. Uh, but,
0: but the thought that came to my head and uh, all of this because we talked a couple weeks ago about the po- the increased popularity of of graphic novels and manga during the pandemic. And these numbers were just fascinating to me. Uh, uh, although I although I, I guess I, there's a part I'm I'm curious about the comparison for say the exact same period a year before. Like mm-hmm. would they've been are these higher in comparison or are these lower in comparison to previous years for that same period?
3: Like just in That's part of, of part. overall like copies or yeah. title selection?
0: Uh, Copies, really just a sheer number of prints. Hmm, mm. Sheer number of
2: copies. printed Because we know on the magazine, the magazine side, they definitely are going down. They're not printing as much. They're starting, as we said, kicking and screaming, going into digital and stuff like that, but there's mm-hmm. still the print runs of the big ones like one piece. But the interesting part is sometimes you'll have those series that you're like, Oh, they're still going. They're still getting enough. Like space brothers for Kodansha is at number six and that's volume 38 over 300,000. Yeah. So that's great to see. It's still finding an audience for that type of title, Saint in title and even St. Young men is still yeah. going on. And that's a very unique title about Jesus. and um, oh Buddha and buddha yeah. just chilling together in tokyo yes uh, have a sake.
3: yeah like i actually find kodansha's list very interesting because i look at what did you eat yesterday and i do remember that being very popular in japan and that pretty much has become a yearly release at best yet it still pulls it a in. yearly release yeah really? it comes i think i think what did you eat yesterday comes out once a month in japan in its perspective okay. magazine and then but I remember whenever I saw those, like when they when they did those volume sale posts on ANN more often, like the week that what did you yesterday comes out, it's usually in the top five. Okay, not like well, second or third.
0: Mm-hmm. So I bring up the whole manga, the sheer number of print runs, because pair that with a shojo beat tweet we saw, and we were on the topic of popularity over the last year during the pandemic. They put, they put out a uh, they put out a tweet uh on Wednesday. Priority for printing will go to new currently running releases first, then very popular series that are out of stock. The more back orders that are placed, the better chance those volumes will be pre- reprinted sooner. And that that kind of falls in line with all this talk about back issues and and new print runs. Of older volumes.
2: And I think they've always said uh, over the last few years, if you want something you want it to stay in print and stuff like that, give us the pre order and tell us you want you want it, you know what I mean? Or tell the retailers you want it because then Mm -hmm. they might get a few extra volumes and stuff like that.
0: Mind you failing that, there's always the digital. Yeah, yeah, we've
2: seen that yeah. on Kodansha's side. That's for sure. They, uh, especially for mm-hmm. longer series, for them because they're just not willing to take that risk. And even omnibusing some of those longer ones, they're not willing to do it, even if they're completed. They've just done digital.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I almost exclusively read digital manga now. It's just it's it's so expensive. I um right. I bought a couple volumes for the first time in years the other day, and it was like. 60 or 70 bucks for three books oh yeah mm-hmm. whereas i can Again, pay two dollars yeah. <laughs> and read as much shonen jump as i want
0: see that's that's part of the interest I- issue for me it's just yeah i i see where you're going with that I, I just see where you're going with that and plus as i said i have way too much uh, physical books myself here i am about to read a digital copy uh i'll be a, a library copy of the book that the live-action Japanese movie Funikuli Funikula was based on. But we, we talked about uh, Japanese movies because of a film festival that happened here. Hmm. Virtually, by the way. Nice. Uh, JP. <laughs> but uh, So I'm about to read that book. And much of the, I, I, like, stuff I've become curious about, uh, admittedly, and maybe there's a degree of guilt, but at least they're all legal sources. I've watched uh, stuff digitally recently or read stuff digitally in recent months so there's okay i get it uh, and maybe that's just there's that tension between the pragmatic 44 year old that i am right now and then the collector that i was in my younger
1: years i i right? guess you know i've always been more willing to buy anime than manga and maybe it's just because I've read more manga digitally, be it through apps or scanlations, it's always just made more sense to me to buy anime, and I don't know why. I think it's mm-hmm. just the price differential. Especially like the the types of books that are aimed at older audiences always cost more.
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that does happen. Yeah.
1: And I'm not I'm not talking about porn. I'm talking about just like like uh, 20th Century Boys easily cost like five dollars more than a copy of Naruto.
0: Those are big. Those are big. Uh, those are big volumes too.
2: Yeah, those are the omnibus see, right.
0: ones, right? So, I'm talking yeah, about yeah. when they were doing single, single yeah. volumes. No, I'm talking about like I'm talking because the the footprint was yeah,
3: Naruto get, used to be eight bucks a book, whereas the 20th Century Boys and that was before the increase to ten bucks. Whereas uh, 20th Century Boys was always thirteen at retail the at yeah. U.S. that is
2: yeah because we used to have the really expensive releases back in the 90s then once tokyo pop had their little revolution saying okay 10 bucks is the price and stuff like that but that only lasted for a good long while before everyone realized they had to increase their prices to keep up certain quality or keep the color pages so now as you said for those older titles we're now at 14 to 15 dollars a pop and we're talking u.s prices now
0: i think i think it's just the mentality that you know the collector's mentality they and and the companies know that too
3: that's me 100% like i i was about 50-50 when it came to anime and manga purchases back in the mid 2000s when i jumped into the hobby but i want to say around maybe 2012 2013 is when i saw my anime watching drop off precipitously and then i would realize that I just preferred watching anime with other people. It was more of a social thing for me. Whereas if I was, you know, just by myself, I would prefer to read manga. And then I saw my manga purchases uh, surpass my anime purchases, and actually for quite a while, I was not buying anime just because I just wasn't watching a lot of new stuff Mm -hmm. because maybe only watching at most one or two or three things a year so that yeah and I have to say when it comes to like the digital versus physical thing I will say that I am uh I am blessed to have space to which to have my manga sit here and be unread Mm -hmm. I because I've noticed that when I did a big I did a big purge a few years ago and I got rid of a maybe 60 to 75 percent of my like anime and video games, but I maybe only got rid of like ten or fifteen percent of my manga. It was just some. It's just interesting to see where my preferences shifted over the years,
0: or where they've been. More in my case, mm-hmm. okay. Do you have anything else to mention on all of this, and then I'll play. A, I'll go back to Kenshin.
3: Uh, I do want to bring up a couple of things, like at least a couple of titles on the list, so to speak. Oh, that
0: still got your attention on the list? Yeah, like... Okay, just, I, uh, quickly, just quickly. I knew
3: Quintessential Quintuplets was popular, but I didn't think it'd be that popular. Like, I was to really be surprised, on the, very the surprised entourage. to see that high.
2: I wasn't actually surprised by that one because I knew it was getting the sales and stuff like that, from what I understood. I didn't mm-hmm. think
3: it'd be second. Uh, uh, hey. I like to see, uh, you know, Ch- Chifer still sticking around, good manga.
2: That one was surprising because it's at volume forty-four, so they're still getting the sales.
0: Oh, look, the final volume of Seven Deadly Sins. Okay.
3: <laughs> yep. And, uh, <laughs> it's interesting to see with Shogakukan how few titles I don't like. I really don't recognize that many of them. Like, and it proves to show that we just don't get as many of their titles out here in comparison to the other two.
0: Ah, uh, okay, that's a fair point. I, I guess because it's so it's Viz, and then Viz is just. All in with their with the other side of it. Yeah, so, like Blue Giant.
3: Blue Giant ended up going to uh, Seven Seas, so that's coming out now. Uh, Freyrin mm-hmm. is a recent title that's been popular, and Viz has that license for uh, this fall. Uh, Do not say mystery really intrigues me because that's Yumi Tamara's newest works. Uh, she's the creator of Basara and Seven Seeds. Uh, some people may have watched that shitty adaptation on Netflix uh also just one last thing um another title on kodansha that caught my interest that was at the bottom of the list uh a couple of cuckoos which is um i think it's me Mish- it's the creator of yamada the seven which is and uh yankin to mega nation to think that that has that many copies in circulation early in its run makes me think that that one will have a good chance of being successful, and I. I think it's Miki Yoshikawa's the creator. I've always, I've always liked her works. You just keep up, Kevin.
0: Okay. So do you want me to go back to Kenshin for one second?
2: Sure. Actually, I wait. Actually, All
0: right. Actually, I was gonna, yes or no. I was going to say so one you, thing. actually. Oh, okay. Go, go for it, uh, James, and then uh, we'll start to wrap it.
2: I, I was thinking what Kevin said about uh, the list there in Shokaku Kai. Kind it of just made me think of like how few we have on the signature line that you think could be on there, but. They don't do it, but at least now they're actually reaching out to other companies to license them out like Seven Seas and Dark Horse when in the aughts and stuff like that, or 15 years ago, they weren't even doing that, so they just were sitting there, just sitting there unless they got a really popular anime that's like, oh, we probably should get that out.
3: Or if they actually (laughs) went directly to the artists somehow, like with Gantz or like with Clamp or like with Blood Blockade Battlefront because that's a That was, I believe, Shueisha, uh, and then there was Tenjo Tenge. So, like the odd exception, but otherwise, yes. Like trying to get anything from Shueisha and Shogakukan was immensely difficult if you were not Mm -hmm. called Viz Media.
2: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, they definitely, uh, once Shonen Jump, it's like, hey, this is our bread and butter, everyone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so on, uh, so. Sort of uh, starting to come away from that topic and ending uh, to end it off back to Kenshin. Yes, Kenshin, Kenshin's continuation, the Hokkaido arc, is on this list. It's num- on the Shueisha side, it's number 14 or tied for 14th, I guess. Volume 4 350,000 copies. We've talked in previous weeks about Kenshin we mentioned that the trailers for the final two live action movies were released and will eventually the movies themselves come out in the, within the next couple months, I think uh, May or June or something like that. We listened to the past episodes. Yes or no. And here's my, here's the little game I, I said I'd play. Oh boy, here we go. Yes or no. And I have to, I have to highlight it so I can read it properly. The next live action Kenshin movies coming to North America. And remember, keep in mind, one, the Hokkaido, the Hokkaido manga has been outright canceled in North America because of the personal issues of Watsuki himself. That's one way to put it. (laughs) So how much, how much has, um, how much has that affected the possibility of seeing the the final two live-action Kenshin movies come to North America. Did
1: officially. did the others come out? I you may have, yes they have oh.
0: Funimation Funimation uh, released like recently over the last number of years. I, I, and uh, it, it it was some a few years back, and I don't know if it was before or after. After I'm gonna go on right uh, stuff and officially. just see what
1: happens when I type Kenshin and Blu-ray and DVD. See what happens. So we have Kenshin one two we've. Three movies you said this is the fourth mm-hmm.
0: movie fourth and f- fifth are about to so go let's
1: out. see when this one came out 2017 i'd say it's probably likely then so you think yes 2017 that's like we've because the whole he got arrested in like what 2013 2015
0: okay i'm not like this tells you about my per- about the time i was away from uh from the scene so I, so you think it'll happen?
1: I mean, I I I'm not sure. I'm going to look up to see when that happened, but it definitely happened before 2017. Okay. But you think, it'll, I you think it I think yeah, if if, it. if if the before other it, 3 it, movies are easily available on right stuff right now, I don't see any reason why a company would suddenly gain a conscience.
3: 2017.
1: Oh, was it? The scandal? The scandal? It was that recent?
3: Yeah. Uh, oh boy. Late November in 2017.
1: Oh, you're oh, boy. you're right.
3: So this could go either way.
1: Uh, okay. Then. Well, yeah. And this movie came out January, 2017. Okay. So now I'm going to say a no.
2: But they still hmm. had them on sale and stuff like that. So you never know. Well, if it's like, already if in it's there. But it could be, I'd say a lukewarm maybe for me because you never know, but it's not like they're going to release it as fast as some of their other live action uh, properties. They do. You have... might see it a couple of years later, or something like that. And it's just ship it out. That's all they'll do.
3: It could go either way because while they did cancel the Hokkaido arc in North America, they never they never uh how do I put this? They never did stop sales of the original Roroni Kenshin manga. Those were okay. those you can still buy that right now if you'd wish.
1: Yeah, those are okay. still in Well and Funimation just added Kenshin to their app pretty recently.
2: Oh really? yeah
1: so i'm gonna
0: go off on a limb and say i would be surprised because that type of stuff is tough to live down that type of stuff is going to come up
1: yeah but viz viz has clearly shown that they don't care i mean they just posted uh not posted they just published the newest manga from the Toriko guy And the only reason that's not in the book anymore is because it got canceled for bad ratings. Yep. You know, like, they don't, they don't, if it makes money, they're going to do it. I don't trust any of these bastards.
0: Well, yeah, and I guess that comes down to the popular urban lyric that we constantly state from the Wu-Tang Clan.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Cash rules everything around me, get the money, dollar, dollar, bill, (laughs) If, if no, and, and and that's the only thing. If if a company knows they can still like that's I guess how Kenshin has still
1: managed. Well, a lot of people just don't know. Think about like if I became a fan today, what are the odds that I'm going to know that the writer of yeah, this cool samurai book is a pedophile? If I just see it at the bookstore, it's not like it's going to be written on the cover. They're just
3: banking on people not to know, oh. they'll,
0: they'll, or at least uh, they'll do their best to cover it up.
3: And Shueisha was clearly trying to uh, keep Watsuki afloat in that sense. Like, they kind of made him go away for a while. It wasn't even a year. Yeah. In the end, he really only got a slap on the wrist. Hmm. Because there's so much uh, money tied to his work.
0: uh, Well, isn't that what it usually comes down to?
1: It's interesting to me because Kenshin, I, I liked Kenshin, a lot, but it's not like it's not like Watsuki did anything good after Kenshin. Well, that's Kenshin kind of awesome one hit ends he had back. Yeah. The anime is terrible at the end. The last the arc was so bad I had to turn it off.
3: Oh, of the anime, yes the the manga. I never finished the manga. The manga. was, well, manga was I to The last five volumes of the manga still.
0: Like the original, yeah. I got up to volume yeah, 23 I just felt. I thought it was great. I I thought it
1: was. Well, great. And then they made those movies again, that, that were terrible. Like Reflections was so bad, and it was in a different art style. Oh
0: yeah. Well, I I, I had fun with it personally. <laughs>
1: Trust and Betrayal <laughs> just, just, was dope, way, but
0: way, way too way. But and ultimately quite depressing, which wasn't always the tone. But I thought it, I took fascination. But that's just me.
3: Am I the only one that thought Buso Rankin was okay? <laughs>
1: You're the only one that remembers Buso Renton.
3: Remember <laughs> 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 reading that in the library? No, like, yeah, I okay, think, it's okay. I
0: think that's uh, I think that's in I think that's uh, somewhere buried in the
3: boxes well, at least. The, so maybe I can uh, dig wasn't it up.
1: Was the villain like a JoJo's Bizarre Adventure character? He was like a <laughs> butterfly.
3: <laughs> yeah, it's it Poppy Long was his name. Yeah, he had the butterfly mask and everything, and.
1: Oh boy. Very fun no, Then he tried to do, I think it was called Gunblaze West.
3: Yes. Which yes. that didn't that, get yeah. an anime. Oh, yes. And I got canceled early. And then he has a work that never came out here, which was, I think, based off of Frankenstein. That was in Jump <laughs> Square. Christ. So I with Claymore and like those monthlies. Uh, yes. That just never came out here for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, he just went back to Kenji. You know, I have this this theory. I was going to write an article about this, but I couldn't figure out how to make it more than like two paragraphs long, but that Kenshin is this secret allegory about how he's been a pedophile and afraid to tell people because the whole entire Kenshin story is about how this guy's an irredeemable murderer, but like somehow we all forgive him. (laughs) You know, like, wow. The entire story (laughs) is like, I killed everybody, including my wife, but I'm a nice guy. And everyone's like, wow. oh, Kenshin, you silly oaf. I don't care that you murdered hundreds of people.
3: You know, Well, uh, I mean,
0: I mean, creators sometimes see a lot of themselves. Yeah. <laughs> OK, Kevin, last thought, you know, good one. I like it. Though.
3: I had that moment in act age as well. Yeah. <laughs> ah. I, I Is was
1: there a redeemable about- plot line about a guy that touches underage uh it's, i can't even this isn't even oh, fun oh, to joke just, about
2: yeah. <laughs> I just,
3: well because like, it was wow. pretty much i guess you could boil it down to this like older man finds this teenage girl and wants to make her a movie star yeah that's like and you and there's oh wow it okay. generally it's a pretty honestly it's It is a good manga. Like there's a reason why I was still so drawn to it, and why I was still willing to buy the two volumes that came out in English before it got canned, as it pains me to admit. But you look through certain scenes, and the manga was really innocuous. Like there really wasn't a lot of fan service, so to speak. Like, and the women actually had the women in that manga are developed pretty well, but then there are the odd moments here and there that just makes you think, hmm in this con now that you know what happened to Motsky, it's just like, hmm, this scene could be looked at in a different way that does not surprise me
0: well yeah that like yeah you you think about those things
1: these days I didn't read that I mean that's just so. human
0: nature too, but it's it's also human nature when you see a star when you see an artist they find themselves on the wrong side of the law. Then you look at their recent works and just think about that.
1: Well, one of my favorite memes ever is it's a cannibal corpse headline and it says like cannibal corpse singer found with uh, skulls and guns in his house. And then the other part of the meme is a screen cap of the cannibal corpse top songs it says, like, song number one, I have guns in my house. Song two, they're for murder. Song three, I have skulls in my backyard.
3: Yeah, okay,
1: yeah.
0: Just just an outlet, right? Just an outlet. <laughs> they're not real songs, but it's, See?
1: I have guns for murder.
0: There you go. On that note, well, uh, and talking and speaking of guns, hey, what'd you think of the bullets? See, I told you they can uh, turn out into longer things later on.
1: Oh, good bullets. <laughs> I was like, what is he talking about?
2: We also went over time Mike. Can you believe it? Yes, we did. Couldn't even make it to ninety minutes, or couldn't even make it. No, we did make it. We We, made it over ninety,
0: and I was worried about that. Anyway,
2: JP, thanks for
0: coming back
1: again. Yeah, glad to um, glad to be here. So,
0: where can we find you these days?
1: I I have a site called gonzo.moe where I've been. I, I was writing a lot for a while, and then I went back to work, and I was just too tired to write. Um, but I have lots of fun articles on there. I was covering the news for some time. Uh, but lately, I've been doing a podcast called The News Broom where I just talk about the latest headlines. They're usually like 20 to 30 minutes long. Um, oh, wow. Which is only a, a fraction of uh, of the length of, this,
0: of an episode of this. Yeah,
1: it's hard to talk about only the news when you're alone <laughs> for more than True. 20 minutes. Uh, but now that I have internet, I hope to start having people on and uh expand what we talk about mm-hmm. me being me i guess because i'm the only one currently on the show um but uh are we like can, can, can we uh can we ask to come on sometime yeah sh- i would love to i just have to have a day off
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so, the, so those are the obvious places we can meet uh twitter
1: uh yeah twitter is gonzo.moe uh you have to spell out dot don't use a period um and, uh, yeah, that's, I spend a lot of time on Twitter. So mm-hmm. that's really uh, it. It's, it's Twitter. That's how you get me. And then the podcast, I don't have anything else to advertise. We'll
0: put up, we'll put up the links uh, in the show notes for sure. And, uh, so people can uh, keep up with you what you're up to these days. Sick. So once again, thanks for doing this. Yeah. Let, uh, we'll give our contact information. So mm-hmm. once again, uh, just to recap, If you have anything to mention to us, don't forget where you can contact this show as well. AnimeRoundtable at gmail.com is our email address. Twitter, Instagram at AnimeRoundtable and AnimeRoundtable.com for our show notes and past episodes. And just a quick reminder, wherever you get your podcasts, don't forget to leave us a review because good reviews will help us in terms of the algorithm and expose us. That's a bad choice of words.
1: Don't, don't say expose to after stone. talking about the act age guy. Yeah, after
0: talking about Watsuki. No, that's a bad choice of words. <laughs> Give us a chance to be visible, hey, to people who could possibly listen to this podcast. And at which point Kevin will say,
3: please leave us a five-star review wherever it lets you to do that.
0: Typically, we do shows once every other week, but then we'll try and do the odd episode during off weeks. Regardless, wherever you're listening to us or watching us, and hopefully there'll be a watching component soon, just hit the subscribe button so you can be notified whenever we drop in a new episode. But that's all we got for this time around. Until next time, thanks for listening. Join us again for another edition of the Anime Roundtable.
1: Cool, cool. So, so you you got plenty of time to still do your shopping. Oh yeah, I mean, we didn't. It's not even four o'clock yet.